Rusty Quill presents. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Greetings once again, my dearest darlings. Oh, how I have missed you all. At present, things look dire for our three fools. But none can know what the future will hold. So let us then spend our time together wandering down the pathways of things past that we may hold those moments firmly in our memories. For, as our heroes would surely tell you, memory can be a tricky thing. After a harrowing adventure into the networks on a failed mission to kill names for our two Vlad honorific, the crew were taken into custody by the Paragarden Diplos, on suspicion of theft of digital property from Senior Diplo Beef's impartial. While held in separate cells, the crew prepared for interrogation. 
Celestine's about to be thrown into to the deep end in a situation that is absolutely out of his comfort zone. Lying and, and uh, you know, being questioned by authority figures is, is not good for him. So Celestine is going to, as he did in the battle against Scavenge, is going to turn to the Arcana for help. And in doing so is going to cast Divination and focus his attention, I think, primarily on the star. All right, I know you're out there. You've shown yourself to me before and you've asked things of me, but now I'm, I need to ask another thing of you. Please, please tell me how, how I get myself and my friends out of this. And you hear back in a familiar voice. If you would like to show your teeth, turn their attention to beefs. Riot, is there something you're preparing? I feel like there's got to be some awareness of direction as to where Celestine and Crater are, like when we were put in those cells. Yeah. And I want to try to cast uh, just a message to each of them. Ooh, okay. Just so we can have our story be straight. And I'm going to have our three names, Steve, Brando, the Lethargy, and I'm going to I'm gonna hazard a guess and say Bentley Davis question mark <laughs> and then underneath be like acquaintances on a trip CGA's question mark just to kind of get this the general awareness for a story I'll just respond yeah in town here to party understood perhaps we call beef's integrity into question I think Crater is just sitting patiently on the edge of his bed he's looking kind of smug you know, I haven't had to be interrogated by the police in a very long time, and I'm, like, kind of <laughs> excited for it, where I get really socially awkward at parties, and, like, I don't like being around a lot of people and, like, being in the spotlight, but this is, like, completely different. This is, like, showtime for Crater. <laughs> Despite the Diplo's best efforts, our slippery scofflaws expertly evaded their attempts to extract information. Uh, would you mind walking me through your day two days ago? Two days ago? I, two days I've ago been, specifically. Two days ago. <laughs> look, lady, I have been fucked up beyond belief the past 72 hours. This is the best sleep that I've gotten since I've been in Paragard and was in this holding cell. Oh. I've been everywhere. It's been all a blur. I don't know what else to tell you. Undercover Sam. <laughs> <laughs> Are you aware of recent Diplo decisions? No. Like... I don't really follow politics. You don't follow politics? Okay, so you don't know anything about what's going on with the, the, for example, the edict trial? What's an edict? You don't know edict? Like, um, like the concept? (laughs) (laughs) Bentley, what... Do you know about specialized Diplo equipment? Specialized Diplo equipment. I don't know if I've ever heard those three words said in that order before. So you couldn't, for example, name or point out any particularly like Diplo-specific technology. I mean, uh, here's an example of Diplo technology. Handcuffs. Okay. (laughs) Does Does that answer your question? Well, in a way... Um, Bentley, who is Beef's impartial to you? <laughs> I, I don't know. That's a dumb name. <laughs> the question is as follows. Who is Beef's impartial to you? Uh, uh, um, uh, I- I- impartial. Uh, well, I, I, I've never, 
I, I have never met a beef's impartial. That I can I can tell you with a certainty. Though I did have a conversation with a a, a cake impartial while I was out knocking on doors, and I believe that they are related. I I do um, uh, know I suppose that that he has a, a son. Uh, um, I met I met. Cake's son, Wellington, as as well. And would you say that is the limit of your knowledge of beefs and partial? Celestine takes a big hit of his joint, just... Hit of joint, no reply. Yes, that is the limit. <laughs> Though the Diplos were asking the questions, it was young Celestine who learned the most. So sorry to interrupt Drew's prudence. I just, uh, I, I think I messed up the prints on Steve. Messed them up? I've never known you to mess up a print before. <laughs> I know, it's, I'm sorry, you know, it's just been so crazy. If I could just, if I could just steal him for, for just a few minutes. Absolutely no problem. You go on ahead there. This person leads you, Steve, just outside the door. She's brought the whole kit and the way that prints work for androids is not necessarily your actual fingerprints. It could be anywhere on your body that you've set up your print to be, basically. So she just kind of waits for you to present whatever part you print with. <laughs> uh, all right. I, uh, sure, I stick out my tongue. Okay, perfect. <laughs> she grabs the print really quickly. Ow. And she just... <laughs> You're tugging on a hard. Hmm. What is it? No, nothing. Uh, nothing at all. Thank you for your cooperation. And Mousy Woman scribbles a note on her sheet. Can I take a uh, a peek at what's on that sheet? Make a perception check. 22. She scribbles just the words, print unrecognized. Ooh. With questioning cut short due to some artificial earth tremors roused by riot, the crew was ushered into a suspect lineup where the impartial's nosy neighbor provided a positive ID. Shortly afterward, the room's malfunctioning intercom revealed that the interrogation of our heroes would now be in the meaty hands of a deep low of some reputation. Wait a second, why didn't you wait for me? I told you I was on my way back to town. What? You have to tell me everything they said so far, and you're turning this investigation over to me, and I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. Put them in an interrogation room and tell them to wait for me, and I'll take it over from here. La, 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 la. <laughs> Sam comes and collects you, dismisses Synthetique and Rig Barley, and leads you back into one of the interrogation rooms that you had been in prior. It's a bit cramped with all three of you, but she gets a couple extra chairs, sets you up, sort of nods nervously and wordlessly, and then closes the door behind her. And shortly after, storms in. Well, you've heard the name. You've seen his teenaged face in the yearbook. In fact, you know his favorite food, where he met his <laughs> wife, and the title of his favorite book. And yet, are any of you truly prepared as Beefs enters the room and you finally behold him? He wears the expected Diplo uniform, a smart sage green suit with a matching cape and bowler hat, though on his cloak you note a cluster of pins and medals. Square head, square fist, square jaw, and squared shoulders that obscure his neck entirely from vision. The grit of his teeth is audible, the vein in his forehead visibly throbbing. He is here to enforce the law. He is Chief Constable, Captain Commissioner, Sheriff, Beefs Impartial. Good day and halt! 
to you all. The crew was unmoved by Beef's attempts at threat and negotiation. Following the star's advice, they turned the matter back on Beef's himself. If we did what you are accusing us of, and, uh, and you do use the, what is it, zone, zone of truth? Zone of truth, that's what all you use, Zone yes. of truth, and it's all on the record. Well, I mean, are you not a little concerned that some things might be said on the record that you may wish were not said? On the record. Are you supposed to have documents at your house? All of you sort of get this sense, but Crater, you sort of have this, like, this wizened realization from years of dealing with criminals who are always on the verge of being caught or getting in trouble. Something he wants to avoid at all costs is Zone of Truth. Look, halt, 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 halt. Let's all just halt here. (laughs) At last, our party was released into the custody of an unnamed individual. But they did not leave the Deeplo headquarters empty-handed. You see Cake and Wellington sort of like approaching this runway that you're walking down. Knowing what you do, knowing what you've asked of each of them, you have but a moment here to make a move if you would like to. Uh, what about like a little side undercover high five that can be taken as a high five or a gimme that to little uh, Wellington there. Wellington's just like, well, check out these two. Now I've never even seen anything like you. Whoa, look at this kid <laughs> I've never seen before. Wow, sure I haven't seen each other. Riot, a little something <sighs> falls into your hand from the handshake. With Beef's Dakota ring finally in their possession, the crew settled in for a tense limousine ride with the benefactor of their bail. None other than Riot's notorious agent. Lux Booker, the curationist. Thank you for posting bail. <laughs> I can't have my favorite client all wrapped up at the deep lows. It's uh, not a good look for this year's potential CGA finalist. But I have to ask, what did they try to bring you in for? There was some sort of neighbor who said that they saw us skulking around their house. Beef seemed pretty out of sorts. And um, it's not like you would... I don't know, go to the chief commissioner sheriff's house and snoop around in it in the broad daylight and be seen by a neighbor. That's not something you would do, right? It's not my brand. Boy, I do hope that uh, someone ends up finding this ring, because if it isn't found, who knows how things might escalate, you know? If someone brought it to me, I could just help them fix almost any problem that they had, and certainly the problem of the Diplos being on their back. And, um, you know, this whole thing, the custody thing, you don't have to be so under my thumb if, again, the ring turns up, because that would just help everybody out in the situation. You understand what I'm saying? Sure do. I I trust you to make smart decisions. You don't have to worry about me. But I do. Lux ordered Riot to immediately begin making public appearances, and so she drew the crowd's attention with a clamato-soaked entrance to the 74th annual Family Drag Brunch Scapade Meet and Greet Benefit, while Crater and Celestine made contact with Teaspoon. She almost immediately notices you, and she's just like, Oh, my, oh, some some fans. I Mm. remember you from some of my previous shows, do I not? That's right. I think we also met your friend Finale last time we we ran into each other, right? 
Teaspoon's eyes go very wide as you say that. And she looks to her left and right and then goes, Oh, I <laughs> I can't sing you a bar of my new song here. <laughs> Anyone could be listening. We're here. As you can see, Riot's here too. Riot and I, we're so alike. So alike. Do you understand? We have been getting that impression the more time we spend with Ms. Riot. Yes, I really, really hope to work with her soon. I've been thinking of debuting a new act at CGA. It, it's a surprise. And, you know, I might need a little distraction. <laughs> and uh, Celestine looks over at the commotion that Riot's caused and just nods and winks. Get system many viable, the crew delivered the decoder ring to J.D. Tective to learn the secrets within the documents taken from the home office of Beef's Impartial. It seems that Beef's and Edict have some sort of arrangement. The document contains a lot of information about what to do should Edict get in serious hot water in court. Beef's is ready to produce witnesses, things like that. Beef's didn't want Edict to get in too much trouble. So they are in some way in league, or at least uh, working with the same people. The other part of this document is, uh, well, it's just a lot of details on Edict. Edict bribed members of the Spectres to install specific tutors at specific creation points, and then I have a list of Spectres. Edict began experimenting with Rat a few years ago. There's a few notes here about collective journey and Edict being interested in it. There's a date written here. It's the last day of this year. It says it's noteworthy. There's a lot of stuff here, especially to do with just keeping, almost keeping Edict in check. Should we check out the orchestrator files? Yes, please. It, it's just a list of parts. A number of parts that are legacy parts. A couple that I'm seeing. Occipital card, parietal extension, lymph codes, pituitary circuits, temporal dome, limbic sensor, augury ankle. There is one extra note and it just says scavenge and scrappers no longer required. Because they have all the parts they need. Prater, you look at some of the notes that he's taken and you particularly focus on the limbic sensor. The word beside it is successful. The name underneath it is Boulder, Steam Android. But underneath the information you already know, you finally see something new in the fragments of the past. That information is the generations logged. You know your part is an heirloom, yes, but it may come to some surprise that Crater, your limbic sensor has been logged 81 generations back, which puts the part at over 1,600 years old. That night, the crew received another visit from the Arcana, in which Celestine was granted a vision of Finale 13 and an object called a Receiver. In the morning, Crater Wayne had some news to share. I genuinely think that this Scalafaxa regiment that I have going right now is changing me. I mean, like, I don't know, the last, like, last week or so, I've been, like, waking up and, like, been able to, like, tap my foot on beep, like, really well all of a sudden, which, like, <laughs> is something I've always struggled with. And, like, it's just been tapping and tapping and tapping. And then all of a sudden, like... I don't know. I can do like, I can do some magic now, which is weird, you know. Like you know the saying, like you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Well, like this old dog can do some tricks, and then I just get like, a little <laughs> flare of sparklers out of my hands or something. <laughs> 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 
discussing their next move, Riot suggested cutting a deal with Chrissy by offering her the private information they learned about Vlad in lieu of his death. The party agreed, and so they left Beef's ring with JD to be discreetly returned to Diplo headquarters and headed out to the Palace Reservoir Casino. But on the way... Riot, your pip lights up and makes a little noise. You've received a message. Ooh. And it's from 13. Oh. The message reads, Hey, emergency. Can you guys come up to the Fae Zone ASAP? Need to talk. If it's just like the Fae are like really on their ass to play Truth or Dare and that's the emergency, <laughs> I'm going to be so upset. And in fact, the Fae were on their ass. But Truth or Dare was not the only matter at hand. There have been people, like, coming around this area, like, looking for you guys. It's Vlad's crew. I don't think anybody saw me, luckily, because I feel like otherwise I I wouldn't be here. Like, I've never felt in danger working alongside Chrissy, and now this. (laughs) Was there anything else that you wanted us to know when you called us up here? Oh, shit, yeah, the emergency. Sorry, I got wrapped up in truth or dare. Okay, so... Kind of a wild question, but would you guys mind jumping into the networks with me? It's really important. I just don't know how to explain this. I I want you to see something that I've seen. Can you give us like a ballpark vibe? I got a message. From who? From Teaspoon. Dearest 13, I have much to explain and not much time. I was terrified and ecstatic to hear our mutual friends mention your name at the drag bruncheon. I can only assume you found each other, and so my window to act is now. I can't risk connecting myself with Riot. Lux won't let me out of his sight after this, and if he knows we're working together, we won't stand a chance. And so I send this through you, Thirteen. Tell them... Lux collects true names. At least 50 by my count, mine included. These names give him power over us. Lux can prevent us from speaking his name. Lux can put words in our mouths. Lux can hide things from our sight. Lux feeds on our successes. Lux can tell if one of us reaches out to another one, and he lashes out against both. But... Lux gets tired sometimes. Weak, and his next vulnerability is coming soon. But I need it to be precise. I need you to find a way to make sure Lux is weak during the CGA final ceremonies. So I can do what has to be done. I hate to scare you all, but I hope you understand the severity of my actions in sending this. He won't know what I've said to you in this message, but... He'll know I've made a move on him. He'll know I've contacted 13. He'll know they have my true name. Tell them, 13. Tell them they need to protect you. Celestine noted that the power Lux exerts over Teaspoon sounds similar to his effect on Riot. But how could Lux Booker have her true name when Riot herself does not? The only people who knew it were her parents who died mysteriously. With Teaspoon's message in mind, the crew agreed to help Thirteen lay low and stay close at hand by offering to arrange the maroom at Sister Mary Viable. 
But before Thirteen departed, Celestine mentioned they made an appearance in his recent vision from the Arcana. I had a companion that I only recently remembered. In this visitation, this, uh, this vision, it showed me with my friend, with Quintessa Sombra. And you were there at that time, too. The both of you led me to this shed. We were looking for a part called a receiver. Remember I told you about the Tower Wars, the worst wars in recorded history? Yes. Well, one of the casualties of that war was it was a server at a creation point, and I have the old receiver from it. Do you want to see it? I can show it to you. Yes, of course, of course. Thirteen goes over to grab it, and they start walking towards you with it, and they're talking. But as they're talking, the words sort of start to get sucked into nowhere. You're in the shed, but then suddenly you look down and your feet are on grass. You look up, expecting to see a wooden ceiling, but you see sky all around you. You're in another flashback. Riot and Crater, you're not able to interact with it, but for the very first time, you feel sucked into this vision too, alongside Celestine. You're walking now, in the grass. You crest a hill, and as you do, you see there's structures built into the hills here. And you know that someone is waiting for you. You see him. There's an old school tape recorder hung around his neck. He's a Gears android. This is monophonic. Ah, the young pupil. Precisely on time. He brings you to the server tower itself, which sort of sits at the very outskirts of this creation point. My work has been going extremely well. Let me show you. He opens up a panel in the server... This is the receiver. Every creation point server has one, and its purpose is precisely to connect the networks to the larger networks of servers. Although its connectivity does open up many opportunities for uh, secondary uses, it should help you accomplish your mission. I'm sorry, what is my mission? He lets out a laugh and he goes, ha ha ha, precisely. <laughs> what mission? Very good, young pupil. Now, take a trip with me. Celestine takes his hand. And he places his hand upon the receiver. And both of you are transported. And from one side of the continent to the other, you are pulled in the blink of an eye to a different server point. You are suddenly in a place that just smells like the rain. You can smell the petrichor here. And then Monophonic nods to you and you feel that sensation again. You're taken to a different creation point. This time it's very, very cold. You're standing on ice. Who knows how thick it is? You see... Off the side of the ice, a bunch of whales breach all of a sudden. And Monophonic nods to you, takes your hand, and you find yourself back at the original creation point. So, that's the basic premise, and uh, I'm hoping it'll be useful to you and, well, to all of us. To, to all of who? And he uh, taps the side of his nose and winks at you, at you as though you share a secret. Now, she will be able to tell that someone has been using the receivers this way, but... She won't know who, and she also won't be able to tell precisely where you traveled to. Who are you trying to keep this from? Well, your maker's partner, of course. Well, your maker's business partner. My maker's business partner, Mesmera. He doesn't react to that because he's looking down at his pip with some concern. Ah, I'm afraid something's calling me away a bit sooner than anticipated. Here. And he takes his tape recorder off of his neck and hands it to you. And as you take the device, you see it. Upon it, printed his full name, Monophonic 
Vulturelect. He's about to leave. You have one final moment to say your last words to this person, this teacher. What do you say? Why have you given this to me? Because we trust you, young pupil. As you get pulled out of this memory, you're sort of struck with a second memory, but more sensory. You just remember the feeling, the moment Monophonic became the beast. He must be still alive somewhere. Digesting the revelations of Celestine's reverie, our heroes set out to settle their business with Chrissy. I'm going to go up to the door. I'm going to kick the door in. Oh my god, Buck and Ryan in my office! Holy crap! That was aggressive. I liked it. Listen, Chrissy, what we did find in the process, even though we weren't successful in the initial goal, is a bunch of information about Vlad's weaknesses. Information about Lux for information about Vlad. It seems fair to me. So we don't need to know when Lux's sleep is, but we do need to know how maybe we might be able to force it to happen. I mean, I have first-hand experience with my own big sleeps, and while they're regular, they're not absolutely 100% consistent. And, you know, when my thralls aren't paying their tithes, I just, I just get tired, you know? So what you're saying is... The energy you get from the thralls is what keeps you awake. That's right. And if I have to put undue energy into monitoring one of my thralls in particular, it drains me faster. You know, it makes me tired faster if I have to constantly have my eye on someone. I think that might be your best bet. Choking off the energy source. Or overloading him, even. That's good. Here's what I've noticed. The more successful Lux's clients are, the more success Lux has had, and the more... Very rapid, very unexplainable success. If I were to hazard a guess, I would say that uh, the successes of his clients increases his power. Chrissy, it, <laughs> it was not too much to ask. Would it be possible that maybe you could maybe help us out with this Vlad goon situation? Um, figured you've <laughs> done this kind of crowd control before. I think, yeah, I think I could probably arrange for a little message to get to Vlad to... To scare him a bit further. Is that is that what you were after? A little scary, scary Chrissy moment. <laughs> I mean, I I trust your work. All right, I'll I'll see what I can do, big boy. Critter blushes for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> Eager to begin weakening Lux, Riot decided to put Chrissy's information to work immediately. I hate to say it, but is there a chance that you are in fact one of Lux's thralls? I think it's entirely. Possible, probable at this point. Between you just kind of causing the the havoc that you are so, so very good at causing and maybe stirring up trouble amongst his other clients, mm-hmm. maybe that would be enough to, to put him into that big sleep earlier than expected. Is this... is this an idea? What if you threatened to quit? Oh, uh, that's good. He'll shit himself. It'll be great. (laughs) Right before CGAs. (laughs) Right before CGAs. Lux is sitting at his desk and he's pouring over some paperwork. He doesn't even look up at you when you walk in. And he's got sort of his head in one hand. He looks stressed. Is this an okay time? For you, Riot, any time is an okay time. Lux, I haven't felt supported by my team. By you. (sighs) Riot, I... Honey, you know that this is the worst... I quit, Lux. Well, 
Say again. I quit. I'm working with a new agent who's just starting out, and we're going in a new direction that doesn't involve all this chaos causing that you have me on, like all of this working to the bone. Do you think I caused the chaos in your life, Riot? (laughs) Oh, you want to quit, huh? After everything I've done for you? You didn't make me. Fine. Go ahead and try. As the tension in this room builds, you feel your voice catch as Lux tells you to go ahead and try. And then something most unexpected happens. You hear some words coming out of your own mouth. Sorry, Lux. I don't know what came over me. I'd never quit. I'd never leave. Just as I expected, I would never want to be in a fight with you, Riot. Powerless to deny him, Riot must agree not only to stay with Lux, but also do his bidding. Teaspoon was supposed to entertain at this event. Why don't you go and make yourself known there? Make yourself, and by extension, me, look good at this event. I will. But I have an extra favor to ask, if... If you wouldn't mind, if it's not too taxing. Listen, I need information from Bon Bon Vibrato Solmazate. But you're going to be really busy, and you're going to be, you know, getting your face around there. So, uh, one of your friends... Don't bring them into this. They're not in on anything. Ask someone to talk to Bon Bon, and just find out where the lake house is. Can you do that? What's the lake house? It doesn't concern you right now, Riot. Suppose I don't have any choice. That's the spirit. Just get it done. And get it done subtly. I won't let you down, Lux. Despite Riot's palpable frustration... Fuck! There was little the crew could do for the moment but return to Sister Mary Viable. There, Finale 13 shared what they knew about the information found in Beef's office. Namely, that five out of eleven creation points were associated with specters and tutors, of whom the party should be wary as their names came up in connection with Uncle Edict's activities. In the days that followed, the crew held their first successful rehearsal as the Damn Good on Wilds. Spirits were high as the band began to find their stride, but the stress of recent events in Paragarden had taken its toll on the aging. Crater Wayne. One of these days I would wake up and get out of bed and like maybe go for a walk by myself just to get away from everybody to have maybe like a private moment. Mm -hmm. So I'm walking the streets. I might try to give Pacemaker a call. Tell me everything. How are you? How are you? Are things going well for you in Paragarden? We're busy for sure. This is probably, like, the best mentally that I've felt in a very long time. Um, The flip side of that, though, is, like, because of all this adventuring that we're doing, really starting to feel the age catch up. You know, I went through, like, two canisters of oil this morning, just trying to grease up these old hinges, you know? Two cans of oil? I just want to make sure that I'm going to be there for these two. I want to be there to help. I feel like I can help, but, like, I'm just concerned about the time. Well, uh, I am a physician. Perhaps I could give you a remote checkup. You did uh, mention when you were in Midmoss some, some medicine that Riot was having you take, a scar, 
Skalafaxa. Yes, so you're finding that is a relief for you mentally? Yeah. Like, you have your physician's permission uh, to, you know, continue with this Calafaxa. It seems to be a very benefit for you. Let's see here. Have you gone into the networks again? Uh, yeah, I was in the networks like three days ago. That might be contributing to how you're feeling right now. I mean, just based on my observations of Snowshoe, it, <laughs> you know, it opens up old wounds. It runs you down. I, I, I mean, I would avoid it if I, if at all possible. Let's see, how often is your boiler palpitating? Well, so most days it's zero, but then like on on days where it's like needed, it's like three or four times. Three or four times one day palpitations? Your max before all time was three. All right, you still have that uh, thermometer in your finger, yes? I I (laughs) I stick one finger in my butt and one finger in my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, uh, that is a bit more of a temperature differential than I would like to see, but... Okay, and you mentioned cans of oil. How many have you used this week? Probably close to a dozen. He asks a couple more questions that are maybe more technically oriented. You have to open up your boiler and take a couple of readings. And as you give these answers, pacemaker, his voice kind of becomes less and less confident until finally he asks his final question. Krita, what what do you want to know? I, I can give you a timeline. But I don't know if you should know it. I just want to know if I'm going to be able to see this through to the end. I would expect you, based on my previous assessment, to have, I don't know, three years, up to five years, maybe even more. But based on these numbers you're giving me, Crater, I, well, I don't know if you have much more than a year left at this point. Keeping his prognosis private for the time being, Crater and the crew prepared to rub elbows with the who's who of the Fifth Collide beginning with a patented plumpening from Dr. O de Toilette de Dowell. And I just want to thank you for trusting me with your asses. Afterwards, Celestine received an unexpected pip message. Celestine, you realize that you missed a text. It's a message from Kate. <laughs> and, it's, and it reads, Can we meet? I have something important to discuss with you. Just throwing it out there. We have the option of maybe, like, she could be, like, a plus one to a party. We can show her a good time for a night. <gasps> oh. Crater. And it would piss off beefs. Uh, uh, I will consider it. Because the woman deserves a night out. After some time to think about it, Celestine will message Cake back. Where would you like to meet? Outside Missy Misty's question mark? Thumbs up emoji. <laughs> when? <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's cold. ASAP. You two are going to be close by, right? Yep, we can, we'll be... Yeah, yep. of course. Steve, the funniest thing happened. I I went to visit Beefs yesterday, and she walks towards you and takes your hands. Oh, oh my, and, oh, oh my stars. And you feel something in her hands. Fuck! <laughs> 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 Wouldn't you know it? It was just sitting right on top of his desk and you would ask me. And I just, I'm so glad that I was able to do this for you. You've done magnificently. Um, but <laughs> here's the thing. Haven't I? It was wrong of me to involve you in any of this, let alone the way that I did. You should put this back where you found it. <laughs> you see her eyes go like cross-eyed for a second. <laughs> 
Uh, I'll end the gash. Her shoulders kind of like slump forward for a second and her head drops a little bit and her hands in yours go slack. And then she just kind of like writes herself and she's just like, huh, funny. <laughs> I have uh, my husband's ring. Um, are we here for a date? Actually, Cake, I, um, I was gonna see if you wanted to come to a party. Is it the VIP CGA Gala presents the VIP Mingles Capade Extraordinaire for VIPs at Kaleidoscope? That's the one my husband is going to. Yes, of course we should go. That would be, that would just be the best time. I'm looking forward to it more than I've looked forward to anything in the last... Oh, I don't know, 10 or 20 years. That's a shame. That's a real shame. (laughs) Oh, my stars. Okay, okay. Well, you just take that ring and you put it right back where you found it. Well, Steve, if you need anything else, you know how to reach me. Oh, my God. I'll I'll come out of the shadows. (laughs) Rejoin. Join Celestine. Celestine just just slumps (laughs) against the wall onto the ground. I wanted to make sure that we stayed in her good graces so that we remain safe enough from beefs and I didn't know what to do but invite her out tomorrow night. She's going to have such a great time away from the family. I mean, the family's going to be there. Beefs is going to be there. I'm going to be there with Beefs' wife in front of Beefs. At the Mingle-scapade, the crew divided their efforts among the partygoers, with Riot taking on the task of occupying cake. This is my friend, Riot. Pleasure to make your acquaintance. It's cake, is it? I'd love some time. Do you have it? Oh, sure. Jeez, everybody just wants a little piece of cake tonight, you know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Finally! Cake, are you happy with your husband? Sure. Sure. Why aren't you your husband's plus one? Oh, he had to beg for his spot here. That's what he told me. He just, he couldn't get an extra spot on the list. It sounds like, unfortunately, your husband is avoiding you and, and leaving you out of the picture on purpose. Right. If I didn't know better, I'd assume that you were um, making some moves on me. Cake, we don't know each other very well, but... Oh, but we could. We she reaches out and grabs your hand. Oh my god, this is amazing. <laughs> I guess. Wait a little bit. Hold her hand and just be like, okay. Riot. Cake, I'm not sure we're, we're on the right path here of what I meant to talk about. Oh, well, what did you mean to talk about? She grips your hand tighter. <laughs> I was more thinking, like, what if you took a stand against beefs at this party? Go on. What, what do you mean? Well, what if... You looked him in the eye and told him how you really feel uh, and how he's been leaving you in the dust and how you're not going to take it anymore. Riot? Yeah. I'm going to I'm going to go and do it. Yeah. And, yeah. And then I'm going to and then I'm going to come back and you and I can just get out of here. <laughs> and speak to beefs she did, though. Evidently, he was displeased with the conversation as he departed the party early. Meanwhile, Crater slyly grilled Bon Bon and Patricia for the lake house intelligence Lux was looking for. Crater's going to take out his pip real quick, look down at it like he got a message. Is everything okay? Yeah, there's been a bidding war on this lake house up in, up in the cold breaks. I've been... I just found out that I was lost. If you're looking for property, I could connect you with my realtor. You have lake houses yourself? 
why I'm drowning in them. <laughs> hey, if, if you had a favorite of the bunch, just just curious, maybe I'll focus in on that area, and then we can maybe be neighbors on a lake. Well, I mean, they say the deep lows look the other way in Tropo Neo Vega, don't they? And that's all I have to say about <laughs> they that. do. <laughs> With his date for the evening otherwise engaged, Celestine used this opportunity to see what information he could squeeze out of that slippery specter uncle edict. Last time we met, you gave me an assignment. Do you recall? He takes out this, like, small agenda book and is flipping through these pages and he's drawn some, like, a rough map of the Fifth Collide. His finger lands in the Crown Lands, just sort of on the outskirts of Crown City. I'm fairly confident this is the point that you saw from your vision. Now, does this location mean anything to you, my boy? No, no, Uncle Edict. I'm afraid that that, uh, at the moment anyway, doesn't ring a bell for me. In this vision from the star, did you get a sense of the importance of this place? I think it's important to my creation, perhaps. There is nothing really of note at this location, but there is some historical importance. They say that the region around this area, well, they say that it's cursed. Oh. Yes. Oh. In no small (laughs) part due to the creation point that, well... That once was there. I'm sorry, the creation point is no longer there. No, there is no creation point at this location anymore. In fact, they have, for as long as memory can tell us, continually rebuilt this creation point. And continually, the creation point has been destroyed in various circumstances. A few years ago, they were attempting another rebuild. Uh, But the project ceased around the time of the accident at the Great. I find it very interesting that you find it significant to your creation when, to most others on the Fifth Collide, the significance of this place is, well, that of calamity, dear boy. Celestine uh, is losing his patience with trying to, (laughs) to, to keep up the, like, the friendly facade of this conversation. Speaking of my creation, what can you tell me? about how to find your maker if you are unregistered. Off-grid makers have been the bane of the specters for many years. If you're looking for your maker, well, most off-grid makers end up in the good on wilds, they say, which is, of course, outside of the influence of the specters and the Deeplos. And tell me, Uncle Edict, as a specter, how do you feel about young androids having rat? I thought that we were friends. I, we are I, I, not I friends. Bear these accusations. Let me be My... very clear. We are not friends. The Arcana has assured me that we are on the same side. I'm quite certain of it now. I cannot imagine being on the same side as anyone who is going to give drugs to underage androids. If I were to provide rat to young androids, I would uh, ensure that they were not taking it until they were of age. You mean at the end of the year? What does it tell you, young Celestine, that the same arcana that has been pulling you has been pulling me? In which arcana might that be? Why, the star, of course. What is happening at the end of the year? What is your aim then? Why, it, it will be a, a point of moment of unity, as the end of the year always is. It's perhaps the moment the most potent with significance and meaning and potential of the entire year. The star assured me that you have been open to its messages. I have been open to the star's messages because the star has helped me and the star has offered a path toward reunion with people that I lost. But I would not follow that path if it meant hurting innocent people. Well, you and I 
have a very different definition of what it is to hurt a person. Riot agreed to have a private word with a party staff member. Once alone, they dropped their disguise and revealed themselves to be someone with whom Riot was already well acquainted. Let's dispense with the formalities, shall we? What the actual fuck is going on here? Look, Riot, I made you an offer. You refused. You're shutting me down. You're not responding to my temptations. You're not responding to my threats. What can I do to have you? What do you want from me? I mean, for a start, you can stop threatening me and being the devil. Like, come on. Like, that's like an absolute no-no. Like, what am I going to do? Like, I can't help what I am, Riot. Yeah, but you could be a little less... I don't know, like, uh, traditionally evil about it. I can agree that my methods have been a little disagreeable, but I was upset, and I feel things very strongly in the moment, and what now I'm feeling right now is just a strong desire for you, Riot. What can I do to prove myself? Uh, you could kill Lux for me, that'd be great. I have no love for Lux. But I can't undo bondage. It's against my nature. I can't give this to you, being bound as you are. But I can give someone you trust an edge against Lux. When the time comes, I can tell them something true about Lux. You mean his name? That's a bingo, Riot. Remind me what I need to give you in return. Just... Your trust and devotion, Riot. But what I'll need in return is for you to pick now who I will give this to at the right moment. Give it to Celestine. It is done. When the gathering wound down, the fools followed their canine companion, Bark Rufton, as he inexplicably bolted toward a cave near Paragarden's waterfall. Hidden within, the crew was met with a meaty surprise. Well, 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 and so it comes to this. Weren't <laughs> expecting me, were you? Yeah, not really. Oh, Let me tell you, halt right now. I am a poised man, stoic, unflusterable. I bear the weight of the world on my strong, bovine shoulders. But youth, do you three, and especially you, Steve, show me any respect? It all halts here and now. It's not about the ring anymore. It's not about the documents. It is about justice. And so I ask you, and he looks really proud of this next line, <laughs> who is the walrus in the dryer now? <laughs> <laughs> uh, roll initiative, please. Oh, Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? Uh, so first off, I'm going to use my bonus action to dash uh, right up near Crater. Uh, and I'm going to, like, grab Beef's by his collar and shove my gun up into his ribs and uh, I'm going to fire. How would you like to cook the steak? Uh, <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, I'm going to accidentally kill Beefs. He falls to the floor and he's fucking dead in front of me and I'm just like, I, what the fuck? <laughs> oh my Ryan, god. That fucking killed him? 
What the fuck? What I the fucking the... killed him. Riot. Shit. Oh Where my stars. Oh my god. What? I just killed a Diplo. With Beef's body tucked away and slavered in Vlad's telltale Dolce and Gabbana, the crew fled the scene of the crime. The next day, the damn good on Wilds sat down with Shoulder Paz for an interview to promote their upcoming debut at CGA. En route, they encountered Team Sprocket, who had made an addition to their roster. My name is Vlad Honorific, the newest member of Team Sprocket, oh. and I'm very excited to participate <laughs> in the rat doing uh, <laughs> ceremony. I, oh, your vibe is so off for this. Uh, <laughs> what do you mean? After the interview, the crew were intercepted by one Yeehaw McGraw, who was beset by a growing concern for his companion, Uncle Edict. First, I meet you all at Riscotech, and then it becomes the scene of the little dog statue heist. And then, you're talking away with Edict and Viridesia, and lo and behold, there's a hostage situation there. And now, I run into you in Paragarden. Now listen, Edict is trouble, and, and I know that, but it seems like y'all are involved with him in some way, because every time I see you, you're talking to him, and he's... It's just been getting real strange lately with him, and, and I don't know who else to turn to, because the only person that he ever talks about anymore is, is you, and points to Celestine. Me? He's talking about me all the time. All the time. Well, I think you are right to be worried about Uncle Edict. I think he is... Got himself all twisted up around, thinking he's doing something good for the world. But all he's doing is supplying drugs to young androids. I think he's very confused, and I think he could use the help of a friend right now. Yeah. Well, Edict mentioned part of your conversation from the party last night. And uh, he said that you're unregistered. I know someone who you might be able to talk to about that in the good on wilds. But I, I got a favor to ask. Could you just start telling Edict that maybe, like, there's Arcana speaking to you and that he should, you know, back off a little bit? I I just, I'm getting real worried about what he's getting involved with and and I feel like the only way to, the only way to reach him is through the Arcana. Do you understand? Mr. McGraw, me and my friend share your concern. I think he's wrong and I think he's troubled and, and I will tell you that I will try to convince him to stop, but should it come to it, we may need to make him stop. Do you understand? I don't like what you're getting at. I really don't. I don't like it either. Well, if you're gonna do something crazy, could you could you let me know? Celestine holds out his hand for a handshake. Yeehaw grips his cowboy hat in one hand and with the other hand gives you a very strong shake. Alright then. Alright. Now, you said you had a name for me. There's a woman by the name of Steel Jaw McGraw. She uh, is often, well, pretty much entirely off the grid. She has helped source components for me, let's say, and, uh, you know, has beefed up the occasional weapon for me when when I can find her, let me be clear, because I don't know where she is. One of the things that she does is, well, she protects other people who are also off the grid, including uh, off the grid makers. If someone went through, uh, you know, off the grid means to, to make an android, she's going to know about it. And she's going to help you. Amidst the press and preparation for their premiere performance, Riot received an intriguing invitation. My dear Riot, when I heard you were in town, I thought to myself, you simply must see my newest show. 
I've heard whispers of your work, and I would love for you to learn of mine, as I believe our love of music isn't the only interest we share. In the stead of a formal invitation, I would love to give you a tour of my theater before my show is put on. Please meet me at the Resonance Theater at nightfall. You have heard whispers of the Resonance Theater, although, oddly, the whispers are just about the Resonance Theater and about the person who performs at it and puts on shows. Her name is Epoch. She is this, like, sunset cloud android. She kind of starts at, like, sun yellows and oranges at the top of her head and all the way down to her feet. It's just a mixture of, like, yellows, oranges, blues, down into purples. And these, like, white bantu knots that are tied all around her head and her white eyes as she, like, looks off to the side. This is my theater. I'm glad that you, you came. One of my... Employers that also may be an employer of yours seems fairly set on us working together. I don't know if you've heard from it recently, but my employer is uh, the devil themselves, I guess. If that makes sense. We have a very specific relationship. I happen to have a deal with the devil that allows me to glance at true names. Specifically, during my performances. If you've ever seen any sort of headlines where someone's true name has been leaked and it was a particularly insidious figure, that was probably my work. There must be a reason why you're telling us this. Like, like what, do you, what do you want from us, exactly? I want help. I think this is going to be my last time, and so I figure I might as well go as big as I possibly can. As big as I can possibly think is to target Lux. There's a group of people called the Names Veratu. I have become one of them, specifically for the purpose of doing this. He has the most thralls of all of the Names Veratu, and the more thralls you have, the more power you have. Can you use me? Can you use my bondage to him in some respect to take him down? We need to make sure that Lux is weak during the CGA's big finale, final performance. Seeing as taking power from his thralls would in turn choke off his energy source and distract him. Is there some kind of thing we can do that like publicly takes away my power? Can a name Suratu steal a thrall from from another name Suratu? Can you try to steal me? I truly think that Lux and I are probably the strongest, most formidable ambassadors of the devil. So what does the devil have to lose, you know? Yeah, call on that fucker to help us out. I guess we have a show to get ready for. Expecting the devil to inhabit one of her thralls as part of the ritual, Epoch and Riot seek the Arcana out among the cast and crew, finally recognizing its residence within the lighting operator. Epoch and Riot in the same place. What a treat. I mean, you got both of us. You happy? Oh, I am so satisfied. You say everything with a horniness that makes me... It's very weird, isn't it? so strange. Yeah, I know, I know. (laughs) I'm not not horny. We have a proposition. A proposition for the devil. I want to hear it. I think that it's time for him, really, for my sights to be set on bigger prey. 
I assume we're talking about Lux, a booker. We are. And what did you two have in mind? Riot is a thrall of Lux's, I believe. I want to steal her as a thrall. That is not quite what I had in mind when I connected you. What was that? Epoch is precious to me. The most precious of them all. And you're not doing so hot, are ya, Epoch? I haven't been exactly honest about just what kind of a toll it takes to not take a big sleep. All names for Atu need one. Except for me, that was the deal. Except for you, that was the deal. And when I made the deal, I foresaw cascading threads emerging from you as far as the eye could see, creating a golden horizon of control and bondage. In order to survive and keep doing our good works together, I may need to pass off some of your threads to Riot. I would be a name's Ferrati as well. You pledged your fealty to me, Riot. So as far as I'm concerned, you've already taken the deal for me to transfer some of these bonds from Epoch to yourself so that Epoch and I can continue our great work and so I can also protect another one of my greatest ambassadors. You see, if you become the Names Feratu, you cannot touch another Names Feratu. Epoch, having sacrificed sleep, is my only exception. To be clear, what the double is saying is that, like, once this happens, you can't go after Lux. Yeah. Yeah. But (laughs) those two could. Well, if they can withstand the force of you working against them, Riot. No. No! What else do you want? What else can I give you? You can have whatever. No, I need to go... I need to go after Lux. That's all I care about. So what is it that's not making me an Ansferatu that you want? I'm afraid I'm not willing to budge on this one. But you'll love working for me, Riot. You have to give us time. I will grant you five minutes to discuss amongst yourselves. I didn't realize that that's what he wanted. I didn't. This is not the life you want to be living. Folks, the only way that I can think of to stop an arcana is with the help of an arcana. So I'm going to see what the stars got for us. And I'm going to, I'm just going to sit cross-legged on the floor, project my star map. I guess the question is, how do we get Riot out of this deal with the devil? You look up against nothingness, and the nothingness rearranges into pinpricks of light. And within the pinpricks of light... A glowing reverberation comes upon you, Celestine, and you hear. The only solution to an impossible situation is to remove the problem entirely. You mean the the devil? Epoch, do you know how, how to banish the devil from this plane or how to undo the bondage of the devil? I mean, I know nothing about getting rid of those ties, but... We have my ritual. Maybe we lure him onto the stage and act as if we're going to go through the ritual as normal, and we can use that as a time to maybe ambush them? 
I am having a hard time wrapping my head around putting all of you in danger because I don't want to be a names for Ratu. I, I'm honestly a bit morally ambiguous. Maybe there's something to being a names for Ratu and using it for good or using it like you, Epoch. It's not worth it. You have no route that is your own any longer. Everything you choose from that point onward has to serve whatever the devil wants. Otherwise, it doesn't happen. And you you don't want that life. And to be frank, I don't want that life for you. It's not worth it. Well, that settles it then. We get the devil on the stage, and then we kick his ass. The decision made. Epoch finalized the preparations for her performance ritual, with our heroes numbered among the cast of the play. All that remained was to betray the devil. Just as the play is about to commence, you hear a voice in your ear. Do we have a deal? Epoch and Riot, you both are delivered this message. We'll seal the deal with the ritual. Agreed. Riot, Crater, and Celestine, you recognize the pins and needles, the off-center physics, the sopophoric sensation that comes from a thinning between reality and the networks. And you watch Epoch so gracefully and effortlessly command and direct everything. It's remarkable, especially considering she told you when you came in that this play was coming together today. This certainty is like a match being struck, a further thinning of the veil. And as you look upon Epoch with new eyes, you notice something. Emerging from Epoch are a tangle of golden threads. More golden threads than even Vlad. They sprout from Epoch in every direction, a handful of them, leading directly into each crew member. You look upon Epoch, the names for Atu. Something else happens here. An unexpected cast member, <laughs> or rather lighting person, suddenly joins you on stage in the final moments of the show. It's time. And so it is. So you walk past the devil, and I think it turns to riot. Let's dispense with the illusion, shall we? And makes that grotesque and enlarging transformation into its goat self. Mm. And it bends lovingly over the threads that are erupting from Epoch as she passes it. And it sort of strokes them tenderly. These are my most vulnerable examples of bondage. You see, if Epoch doesn't sleep, nobody can come into the network and sever these. And now I must sever them myself. A delicate procedure, to be sure. It is no simple thing to transfer a bond. And as if in slow motion, the devil reaches down a claw and plucks up a handful of these threads. As the devil reaches down, I would like to uh, reach behind my body, and in a motion, you see this, like, beautiful long blade. I'm going to take it down and, like, cleave it right into the wrist (gasps) as they reach. There is a massive bleat of rage that, like, echoes and reverberates throughout the theater and almost seems to combine and elevate the buzzing for a second. And the devil, like, reaches back its hand in pain and goes, So be it. And on that very stage played out a battle both epic and exhilarating, strange and spectacular. 
spectacular, a performance without precedent. And though Epoch's ritual ensured that the audience would never remember the details of what they witnessed, you and I, my dearest darlings, know that it was a show worthy of the Resonance Theater. And in the end, to its great surprise, the Devil Arcana was no match for the combined might of the Three Fools and its most precious disciple. The devil, like, takes a shaky step back, and for the first time, you see a tinge of fear in its eyes. You two don't understand what you're trying is impossible. Um, I'm going to take my scimitar and press it up to its throat. Mm-hmm. You can take the deal at any point in time, but it is our deal. I am the one who makes the offers, Epoch. <laughs> I don't think I believe in that anymore. What? I don't believe in that anymore. I think I'm going to bring my blade down. Scimitar. The orchestra picks up and Hearth delivers a beautiful solo, somehow much louder and more powerful than ever before. So you had the scimitar pressed up against the devil's throat? Yes. And it refused. And you blew its mind by suggesting that someone else is the one who makes the offers of deals. I pick him up and start dancing it around so all of us can have literal swings at this thing. Beautiful. Oh my god, it's an absolute massacre. And in the final moment, that beautiful spotlight, the one the the one that was so perfectly curated, lands on us and I dip it down. Something has happened here in this theater tonight. You two belong to the devil. You have pledged your fealty. You should not have been able to break this deal. And that same mind-blown look, it's almost like staring off into the distance, staring off into nothingness, and finally it looks up in between Epoch and Riot and goes, This is impossible. What have you done? Down on all fours, the devil falls. And then... With a grotesque, gurgling scream, the devil erupts and disappears entirely, leaving a visible, inky void behind. The theater shakes. Applause roars. You can feel the devil's absence in your very souls. We did it. Thank you. No, thank you. There is a dangerous void left behind by the absence of something so huge as an arcana. The impulses, feelings, and motivations the devil encompassed must go somewhere. In the absence of a devil to receive and embody these impulses, the imbalance threatens to tear everything apart. However, the void, it wants to be filled. And it calls out to one of you in particular, Epoch. Do you fill the void? And do you become the new devil? I have to. I feel slumber crawling over me, and I know that if I fall asleep, I won't wake up. I squeeze Riot's shoulder, and I step forward, and the only thing I say is, I'll, I'll be better. You step into it. You fill the void. You feel the power rush through you. You are Arcana. And as Epoch takes her final bow and straightens and regards her audience. A change has indeed taken place, and as Epoch sees the final 
attendee leave the theater, she gracefully sinks to her knees, and her eyes grow heavy. And so we witness Epoch's first sleep and the birth of a new arcana, the devil. With Epoch's ascension came some guarantees. The new devil would ensure Lux was in his big sleep during CGA's closing ceremonies and would honor the deal to give Celestine Lux's true name at the appointed time. But deals go both ways, and Riot must honor hers and remain bound to the devil. But what Epoch the devil may or may not require of Riot was a consideration for another time. After all, the damn good on Wilds had a show to perform. And perform they did. For their first appearance, young Celestine wowed the crowd with his version of a good on Wilds folk song. And on their second day, Crater Wayne's heavy music received a resounding reception. With the crowd still cheering, our band left the stage and headed to the green room, where they encountered their chief rivals in the competition, Team Sprocket, in the midst of an emotional discussion. Now what the hell? That, that was not in the original lines. What was all that about Patricia? I don't know what you mean. I was dropping my verse just like you told me to. You see, the thing about that, Vlad, is that's really weird for me personally. Oh, Honeypot is bringing up a lot of feelings. I'm glad they're oh. here, but I just, I really wish that it was my parents. I I know, I know, Babra, it's okay. I mean, I don't know if you know this, but they're my guardian and that's just not cool. Fine. Call me when you're fun again. Honeypot, I really, I feel really strange. Like, I just, I don't remember very much about them. Your parents? Or? Yeah, you know, like, it, I just, like, I try to picture their faces and I can't. And I try to remember, you know, pieces oh. of advice that they gave to me or maybe some, some words of encouragement that I could look back on. And, like, I love Patricia, but I, the pain yeah. didn't go away, but the memories have. No one really even remembers their childhood, so I, I wouldn't worry about it. I, I'm sure that... Yeah, who, who remembers that... When they were 15, right? <laughs> Not me. Were we standing in the green room sort of <laughs> yeah, like yeah, watching yeah. them as they had this emotional moment? Yes. Yep. What uh, What were your parents' names, by the way? Well, the, m- mom and dad. Yeah, duh. No one remembers their parents' names. Yeah, and that's totally normal. Do you recall anything about the circumstances of their departure? Departure? You're asking me to relive some some really messed up stuff here in the... That was so long ago. What was I, like 15, 16 years old? It was a horrible accident and I, I never saw them again. They, there was no no casket, no ashes. What happened? I, I can't. I don't. I'm, I'm a pot. In a quick aside to Crater and Riot. Mm. All right, so we're all on the same page here, right? Seems like Babera's parents were the composite couple. Seems that way. Yeah. The next time that the composite couple reach out over Pip, uh, I think we have some more questions. For their third day of performance, it was finally time for Riot herself to take center stage, where she surprised and delighted the crowd with an uncharacteristically vulnerable number. But that night's celebration came to an abrupt end as they returned to Sister Mary Viable to some troubling news. Your friend Thirteen and I, we were we were supposed to hang out tonight. They were late for, for our appointment and I, I, I was just wondering, oh. do you know any reason that 
Bardera would show up and uh, need something with 13. Bardera is recently engaged with Lux Booker. Yeah. <sighs> well, 13 is no longer here. Let's get into the room and take out one of the speaking shells and try and get in touch with 13. Yes. You go fishing for 13 and you're hoping against hope that someone picks up and no one does. Your ally is missing on the eve before the final celebration of CGA. Though JD's recollection of the evening was somewhat spotty... I think I've been sorcelled. He was able to provide the crew a lead on where 13 may have been taken. Lux Booker's office building. And so, together with JD, our concerned crew made their way with haste to the heights of Sector 9. You approach this magnificent tall office building that hangs directly over the side of the waterfall precipice. You look up at the almost entirely glass building and you see Lux's office up on the top floor. What's what's the game plan here? How tall is this building? Let's put it at 120 feet high. We could, all three of us, just scale up this building. It's late and people are distracted with all of the partying going on around them. Who cares about who's climbing up <laughs> this tall office building. Who cares about an office building? You climb or fly all the way to the top of this glass building. And as you arrive to the top, you can't see through the top of the roof except for Lux's office itself. You see his desk in there. You see his uh, nameplate on the desk, L. Booker Curationist. (laughs) Nothing seems to be out of order and nobody is in this office. Is there a clear way in? Oh, no. Would you say that this glass box kind of looks like a big window. Maybe we should just break through the window. (laughs) (laughs) We haven't crashed through a window since back in Viridesia. Honestly, it's been too long. (laughs) Can I just headbutt this window? Scratch that itch. Glass doesn't stand a fucking chance against you, so you headbutt this window and make a pretty clean opening, I would say, uh, for all of you to fit in. So the three of you drop in to Lux's office. And as you do, you hear some sort of heavy footsteps from the waiting room. I'm going to pop out the immovable cane and put it against the door and flip the switch. (laughs) While Crater's craftiness kept the security guard at bay, the crew combed Lux's office for clues, uncovering the entrance to a secret room hidden underneath the desk. The tackily decorated room housed a map with possible lake house locations, a locked door, and a list of names. These pictures that are lined up next to these names, they are leads. Two-Step Taylor, a talented young dancer. Joyce Tick, easily one of the most popular e-gamers on the Fifth Collide. And finally, Vogue Garmentia, a fashion influencer. You've actually heard of them. She's young. About the age that... You were Riot when you set off on your own. The similarities don't end there because pictured next to the picture of Vogue are a couple of older people, almost definitely her parents, pictured on a farm in the good and wilds, and they look very humble and simple. And through one of their faces, a big X has been drawn through. Setting aside those disquieting similarities for the time being, Riot turned her attention to the locked door. Though, no door stays locked for long if Riot wants in. The room within, similarly decorated in browns, pinks, and oranges, 
It seems to be a bedroom. Of most interest to you is the familiar figure that sits upon the waterbed, reading a magazine, looking rather alarmed to see you. It's 13. Shit. Are you okay? Do you want to get... Let's get out of here? I don't think it's a good idea. What? What do you mean you don't think it's a good idea? Bartara made this... She said this line as she was leaving. She said, Lux needs to make sure Teaspoon has a smooth final day of CGA. No distractions. They just don't trust me around Teaspoon. And I'm worried that if I leave here, they're going to do something to her. If everything works right, I'm assuming I'm just going to get out of here when the time is right. I'm just really nervous to leave and put Teaspoon in any further danger. Because I feel like that might fuck up your guys' plan too. Yeah, we can't afford Lux to be out of his sleep trying to deal with anything else, really. We've got to make him feel like he's got it all under control. I'm doing this because I honestly have the utmost faith that whatever you have to do, you're going to be successful. (sighs) That is very nice. It is, and you are aware that if we're not successful, this is probably where you sleep from now on. Yeah. With 13 resolved to remain in captivity, Celestine facilitated a magical getaway for our intrepid interlopers, and they regrouped with JD Detective back at Sister Mary Viable. Though they were eager to rest up for the day ahead, the crew's night was not yet over. You have one unviewed video on your pip feed. Video by... Genre. Length. Length. Did I make it? Are you there? Hello? What? Who is that? Oh, good. There's still three of you. I came here to ask, what What is it like like to to be us instead of I? I? On your pip screens, it is kind of like a colorful static. You You didn't didn't kill kill an Arcana Arcana recently, did you? Uh, stunning. Miraculous. Explosive. Explosive. Shouldn't be possible, you know. They're all going to want a piece of you now. They're fascinated. They're scared. They object. They approve. They want to help. They want to stop you. They're out for vengeance. But which is which? No, no, stop. I'm off track. I came here about names. Names everywhere and not a drop to drink. (laughs) I wish I could remember. Do you have anything you want to say to your kid, Babra? To your child? To Screeches. Screeches? I I do have something to say. Oh, speaking of forgetting, have, have you, you ever been, been to Parado Peaks? What is what what is that? Oh, it's a great place to be forgotten. Hold on. This, this is important. important. Why was I calling? Oh, right. I wanted you to know you're doing great. And I just wanted you to know that she's coming. Will you recognize her? Quintessa Sombra, you mean. <laughs> I hope you, you recognize her. Because I want to see her. I want to see you together. I want to see the totality. What do you mean by that? And then, they fall silent. The following day, the band headed back to the CGA grounds for the closing ceremonies, where they found Lux too exhausted to even finish his opening speech. With some parting threats to riot about the break-in at his office, he retired to his trailer and his big sleep. After accepting an award for most promising new act and receiving some unsettling words of encouragement from Teaspoon, our hero slipped away to Lux's trailer where Riot put to sleep the Diplo guards and resisted the door's magical wards, gaining the party access to an unconscious Lux Booker. 
Now practiced at entering the networks at will, the crew tucked themselves under the bed and met up once again in the information tier of the digital network where they received a blessing from Epoch to aid them in what was to come. As before, moving to the next tier required a question. I'm going to step up and say, how did my parents die? You break through between these tiers. You are being pulled from the information tier to the second tier of the digital network. And as you materialize into the calculation tier, you receive your answer. Manipulation. Murder. Fire. Celestine's still focused on the pit message that they received recently. And so his question is, what does Quintessa Sombra have to do with the composite couple? You turn into fractals. You're pulled between tiers. You pose your question. The answer fills your head. It astounds you. And then it is gone. Where can I find my limbic sensor? You decentralize. You become fractal. You pose your question. And as you move from the information to the calculation tier, you receive your answer, creator. It's very simple. Straightforward. The lake house in the Phantom Isles. Upon their arrival in the calculation tier, the three fools were greeted and entreated by several arcana that had not previously contacted our heroes. You know the name of the arcana. It is Judgment. You who have deemed yourself a judge to one of my own kind, no less. You acted as judge, jury, and executioner. You deserve to beg for absolution, but instead I offer you an entreaty. Fool who judged an arcana, I ask that you judge and eliminate more of my kind. Those unworthy to serve android and humans. Those who must be eradicated and reborn. Tower, Hierophant, Moon. And should you accept, I will prove my sincerity by deeming you worthy of my boon. Crater has a relationship with the moon that I don't fully understand, and I, I mean, he carries the moon's weapon. I worry what it means for Crater. We want to help you, but without the consent and understanding of a friend who's involved, we cannot. Then may you weather the judgment that is due to you. So, I now speak with the fool behind a momentous rebirth. I see you, fool. Your power is great, yeah, but I sense more potential. All things must come to an end, and from that end, a beautiful new beginning. Your inching closer to the end isn't isn't that awesome <sighs> things must change things must die it's not finality i seek but renewal usher this in fool kill the vessel trigger a renaissance within you too i sense a new era dying to introduce itself to the world erase the chaos within you then we may all be reborn i uh, never show up empty-handed take the spoon if you know what's good Choose your moment of revival. I'm, I'm going to just look towards Riot. Um, my, my gut says yes, but I can't tell you why. I feel like there's something lying beyond what we're dealing with here. Something that we haven't had access to. I want to see it. The consensus is understood as soon as it's drawn. As soon as both of you understand that this will happen, it does. The blessing from Epoch the Devil 
moves through you and leaves, and in its place comes the boon of death. For the next 24 hours, one time, you can reduce damage that you take to zero. That's fucking awesome, actually. That's sick, yeah. Step right up, boys. Step right up. Well, well, looky here. The famous fool who witnessed the spinning of the world and the death of an arcana. The notorious fool who seeks to complete a cycle. It's my pleasure to invite you to hear my entreaty. I ask you, fool, find the key. Then let chance decide. Find the key and let chance decide. The fuck yeah. does that mean? I know. I'm like, <laughs> that's so fucking vague. How am I supposed to make a decision off of that? <laughs> I know you've heard of the key. We've all heard of the key. The key that unlocks the box. I merely ask that you take the side of luck and chance and destiny. I'm going to be honest here, Celestine. I don't think I can leave right by yourself on the other boon. It's the mustache for me. Never trust somebody with a mustache. <laughs> Your decision is sensed by the Wheel of Fortune as soon as it is made. Well, you may have said no, but at the end of the day, it's always a roll of the dice. See you next time. With the Arcana's offers accepted and rejected, the crew had only to find their way to the final tier of the digital network. You find yourself on the precipice of the final tier, the Discoveries tier. Previously, you had to perform a reality check to take you from the second tier to the final tier. You still do, but something has changed. It's becoming difficult now to distinguish reality from not. The only thing that is real here right now is the three of you. Everyone's going to do their own check, but what you're doing is doing like a collective reality check together. So something a bit more collaborative. Well, we're a band now. Shall we play a song? Oh my god. That sounds awesome. Yes. You practice so hard and so much to get to CGA, but you're right where you need to be right now. And all of the work that you've done is leading to this moment. And you're here for each other, and you're here for yourselves. You put on the performance of a lifetime, and you get sucked to the final tier. A small rocky island floats alone in this endlessness. Upon it, a skyscraper, illuminated by several rotating spotlights that point upwards. It's Lux's manifested office building, though this version is much higher, and you can't make out its peak. Meanwhile, somewhere in the material realm, Lux lies vulnerable in the midst of a big sleep that came too early. Somewhere in the material realm, Thirteen sits in their luxurious prison, trusting against reason that they'll see you again. Somewhere in the material realm, Teaspoon sits before a mirror in her lavish dressing room, locking eyes with her own reflection as she powders her nose and prepares to debut her closing number. Linear paths, branch and splinter, becoming one. And the three fools prepare to confront a monster. Once inside the manifestation of Lux's office building, there was but one way to reach the top floor and the names for Artu himself. A large elevator. As you walk towards it, you notice that the chrome elevator doors, they don't move, but something sort of materializes on the face of it. Um, A rectangular, low-res digital screen. And there's a face in it. It's Connie Mayonnaise. Welcome to Lux's luxurious offices. What's your business with Lux today? We have an appointment with Mr. Lux. We have a 
network business proposition. I don't see you penciled in on the schedule. In fact, nobody's penciled in on the schedule for the next year or so. Look, it's going to take some doing, but I think I might be able to squeeze you in side of me. Is it, is it like is it, is it just through through here? Yeah, I'm an elevator. Is, is there is there any reaction from Connie Mayonnaise as I step through the elevator doors? Yeah, she goes, ah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but listen, it's going to take more than just coming inside me. <laughs> oh! <laughs> I really didn't mean to do that, but it, it happened. Yeah, that's perfect. Ascending an edifice of this magnanimitude, it's going to take some juice. Lux expects a lot from prospective clients, so you better fuel me up with something good. To power Connie's ascent, the crew needed to demonstrate talent worthy of Lux's time. An impromptu disco tune yielded just enough juice to get them to the 100th floor, which was home to Lux's sense of control. Here they witnessed scenes of Lux collecting new young talent for his roster. Among them was Vogue Garmentia, the fashion designer whose picture appeared on the wall of his hidden room. And Riot herself revealing a sinister pattern to Lux's methods. We shift to Lux sitting at the back of a small Good and Wilds fashion show. Vogue Garmentia delivers a flawless runway walk. Her outfit impeccable, her talent undeniable. He must acquire it. We move on. We're in sodium. Lux is speaking with Scavenge. We see them from a distance as Lux nods. They part. We move on. We're in the Good and Wilds, standing on a front porch with a glass of something refreshing in hand. Lux speaks to an older couple. They look kind, familiar. Riot, you also saw their picture in Lux's basement. Lux then asks something indiscernible, something that makes the older couple gasp. And as they do, they shift into different people, another older couple that Riot ran away from long ago. Lux smiles, his thousand-watt smile. Riot's parents look at each other, first with hesitation, and then with comfort, they turn back to Lux. Caught between two parallel memories, we flicker between Vogue's parents and Riot's faster than your minds can track. Seeing their hesitance, Lux takes one of their hands in his and says something that seems to tip the scale. They look at each other, nod, and one of them finally leans towards Lux. They speak a word filled with potent magic and potent vulnerability. And then, fire consuming everything, flickering back and forth between two houses, Vogue's and yours, Riot, the home you ran away from long ago. It is aflame and crumbles before you. And Lux is no longer here. You're not really here either. But the heat of the fire feels so real. Within the elevator once more, Riot's comedic styling sufficiently impressed Connie to secure the crew a trip to floor 200, the manifestation of Lux's fear. Once again, the door parts, and we step into a hotel room. It's another network-manifested amalgamation, but you all immediately recognize Trobonio Vega. The hotel room houses two figures. One paces the floor nervously, looking at his feet, unsettled. It's Lux. The other, sitting comfortably in a high-backed chair, a glass of wine in hand, at ease. Miss Mara. Lux, let's not forget who petitioned for your spot in the royals. And 
let's certainly not forget who can petition for your removal. You've been so useful to me, but I need another favor. I need something stolen from Riscotech at the spinning of the wheel. Why? Best if you don't know. I need a team of three. It would be ideal if Riot was on it. There's also a scrapper in town right now, Crater Wayne. Do I know Crater Wayne? Is he important? He used to be Boulder. Oh, I thought we were done with him. We were. Anyway, he's playing Guardian right now. And the third should be his ward. Can you do that? I guess I'll have something come down through the scrapper pipeline, Miss Mara. When the scrappers first approached me with the Riscotech job, at the time, my critter couldn't really understand why they were pushing really hard to have Celestine join the crew. This kid was not ready for like a high-profile job like this, so like took it upon myself to try and find other drivers. But for whatever reason, every scrapper that I talked to that I'd worked with in the past, they were either busy or just outright refused to do the job. For every single person to turn down this job, it was a little bit strange. I guess the critter really hasn't like thought about that fact a lot. It was unusual, but the job seemed too delicious to pass up. And so we gently float away from Crater and back through the window and back into the hotel room. Miss Mara stands, still looking out the window. It's all laid out before me. The most important work of my life. Not even you could possibly mess it up. I know I can trust you with this. Because if you try to make things difficult for me, I promise you, your life will never be comfortable again. Back inside Connie, Crater Wayne earned the crew passage to the 300th floor with the dramatic reading of a poem that he definitely wrote. Here they found the manifestation of a sense of unquiet. Sitting upon a Chesterfield couch in front of a crackling fireplace, Lux's mirror-polished frame reflects the flames brilliantly. He holds his head in one hand and a cigar in the other. He is obviously distressed. Sitting beside him is Teaspoon. Oh, Lux, it, it's okay. <sighs> Listen, um, I have a job for you at Riscotech. <gasps> oh, Lux, really? Riscotech? Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm so excited to perform at such a grown-up venue. Oh, oh I can't just oh, no, can't no, wait no. to start getting no, honey, prepared. No, no, no. No, no, that's not what's happening here. You're not performing, sweetheart. You're, um, you're pitching yourself, let's say, to uh, Harley. Harley High Stakes? You know I want to do whatever you say, but I, I I don't understand. Teaspoon, I can trust you, right? Of course, Lux. Of, of course. I think that you're finally ready to, you know, try out one of your abilities that I don't normally like you to use. You don't mean, like, when I go into a mind, do you? Well, of course. You know, the... The spinning of the wheel at uh, Riscotech is coming up. Yeah? I need you to ask Harley to turn off the cameras that night. But won't somebody else notice? Harley's not just the MC of Riscotech. She is Riscotech. And she is the cameras. So what I need you to do is I need you to ask her to turn off the cameras, and then I need you to make her think that it was the right decision all along. She was the one who chose that. A change is taking place. Teaspoon looks up suddenly. 
glancing around the room until her eyes land on the three of you. The room begins to shift around you in dizzying quickness as yours and Lux's memories of Teaspoon collide. You heard all that, did you? I'm not proud. I'm going to tamper with Harley's memories. You must think so poorly of me. I knew I wasn't doing the right thing at that time. My choice was made for me. What changed, Teaspoon? You were ready to work with Lux then and tamper with Harley's memories, even though you knew it to be wrong, but... What changed to make you want to work against Lux? At a certain point, one must take control over their own life, over our own future, over our over our own memories. Don't you agree? This procedurally generated impression of her becomes more and more fractal and broken, and as does the room around you. The last thing you hear, I hope you'll remember... After some final preparations and vows to keep each other safe, the three fools finally arrived at the 500th floor. The doors open and hot steam comes pouring in. You step into what seems to be a combination of Lux's main office and his secret second office hidden below. It appears that windows line the walls, but... Upon further scrutiny, you realize they're actually TV screens. They show brief snippets of Lux's thralls. You see glimpses of Riot, Teaspoon, Barter of Vogue, and many, many others. Golden threads emerge from each screen. As you enter Riot, a flickering occurs at your chest, and your waveform-shaped golden thread becomes visible. It emerges from you and joins the others as they meet at the center of the room. There, sitting upon a large pink armchair, gleaming and polished to a mirror finish, is Lux. Lux rises to his full height, takes a heroic pull off his cigar, and lets it out with a great rasping exhale. From his mouth pours an absolute flood of hot steam. The steam is thick as pea soup. You can no longer see Lux, only hear him as he says, It's not personal, it's business. Let's roll initiative. And so the battle began. Despite the steam, Crater located Lux and pinned him to the ground with an immovable rod across the throat. But the crew soon discovered that harming Lux came with its own complications. Riot. Crater steps in front of you. You can hear his hits connect as he slams down upon Lux, and then you take half the damage that Lux does. Oh. Nevertheless, our fearless fools forged ahead, pulling out all their best tricks to weaken the names Feratu while keeping each other alive. It was then, in the midst of the struggle, that Teaspoon's plan began to be revealed. On the flickering screens, it suddenly stops flickering, just one of them, and it settles on a display of Teaspoon. She's standing on CGA's main stage. Teaspoon then turns to face the camera, in effect, looking straight toward you all. Someone from off-screen hands Teaspoon a guitar. She takes a couple of experimental strums, then steps forward, puts her hand against the screen, and slowly pushes her way through it. A flickering holographic projection of Teaspoon's hand enters Lux's office through the screen, and then the rest of her comes tumbling through, guitar in hand. I hadn't 
felt like myself lately Thought that I could reach the sky With someone to curate me And so he did And I became the one who sings about true names Rewarded by your love and by our fame And all I had to give was my true name That's right, folks It was Lux Lux was the second person I told my true name to And I wasn't the only one Scrappers, CEOs, celebrities, scientists, the Deep Lowe's chief constable, sheriff, whatever. <laughs> and you know what's even worse? Not everyone gave their true name willingly like I did. And none of us had any idea what it would cost. Isn't that right, Lux? Teaspoon, don't do this. Ever wonder what would happen if someone told the whole world their true name? If you spread something that fragile so thin, it shatters into a million pieces. Whoever did that, why, they'd be a, a non-entity, forgotten, like they never had a true name at all. Sounds like freedom to me. Lux looks panicked. He looks from Teaspoon to you and back at her, and he focuses on her, and the confidence finally drops. No, you can't cut me off like this. In his fear and panic at Teaspoon's intentions, the manifestation of Lux grasped the medallion of the devil hung around his neck. And, of course, the devil answered. Her massive, incorporeal presence fills the room and sweeps through it, and Lux's face alights in triumph, then falls in horror as the devil passes him by and concentrates herself around Celestine, and in a voice only Celestine can hear. A deal is a deal. In a language that doesn't exist, in a voice that screams of silence, the devil speaks, and Celestine, you comprehend the incomprehensible. You hear Lux's true name, Collector. With this knowledge, Celestine, you understand that you have much power, but only an instant in which to use it. So I receive the true name from Epoch, and I uh, turn toward Lux and say, Hey, Collector. 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 Lux starts to cough and choke like on his cigar smoke, and when he expels that smoke, it's filled with little motes of golden light, and then it solidifies into a single point of light and hangs in front of his face long enough for Lux to understand properly what's happening right now. And that moat of golden light shoots into Celestine, absorbing into his chest, and Celestine just <gasps> gasps, filled with this sense of power from using that name, but it's not entirely in a way that feels good or right. In this moment, Celestine calls out to Epoch, but also to the star. And when he calls out for the devil, it's for the fortitude to let him handle this power to do what needs to be done. And when he calls out to the star, it's for the serenity to help him let go of this power and this feeling when he's done. And as Celestine focuses on that day where he first took a life with a thorn whip, that golden light that shot into his chest now pulses down his arm and manifests as a long whip but not lined with thorns, sparkling with little points of starlight. And Celestine grits his teeth and narrows his eyes at Lux on the ground and with a flick of his arm, 
wraps the whip of golden thread around Lux's neck and pulls it tight. You're mine now, fella. It was then that Teaspoon Equilibret did what many believe had never been done before. Teaspoon continues her performance. She sings real words, real notes, but those words and notes, they then become abstract and languageless as you absorb their true meaning, her true name. C-L-E-M-E-N-C-Y My name's Clemency And I don't really need you to remember me If it means I'm free for life C-L-E-M-E-N-C-Y My name's Clemency And I'm so glad we got to meet Before we say goodbye Before we say goodbye And through the TV screen, behind Teaspoon's spectral form, the audience begins to sing along with the chorus, repeating her words. And the words are broadcast all across the Fifth Collide. Teaspoon's true name, a fragile thing spread so thin that it will shatter. Robbed of the power he drew from Teaspoon, and with his true name used against him, Lux was at his most vulnerable his most desperate, and, like a cornered animal, at his most dangerous. Lux scrambles to recoup enough power, and in doing so, he must turn to one of his strongest thralls. You, Riot, you will replenish him. And as you feel the beginnings of Lux pulling at your energy through the golden thread that attaches you, you realize that you will not survive this. And the hologram teaspoon notices this. She feels it. Oh, right. I'm so sorry. I didn't want this, but I have to be free. Your draining begins, but do not despair. There is an out. You can cut your own thread, but I'll warn you that doing so will effectively dename you as well. And that will drive Lux to target other thralls, thralls that are weaker than you. It'll take many, probably almost all of Lux's thralls, So your choice here is between letting this happen and dying and cutting your thread and effectively being denamed. And to be clear, this means that no one will remember you ever again. It's a huge decision, but it's, it's clear. She smiles. This can't keep happening. She's done a lot of bad things in this life. Some of them have been necessary for survival, survival of others, some just for fun. And at the end, she wants to make sure that there's at least 50% good. Riot chooses to let this happen. You've chosen to die, and then you feel the great first tug occur, and you're barely able to catch yourself. And suddenly the connection between you and Lux has never felt so real. Then you feel a second great tug on your thread and it pulls you off your feet and a third and you go skidding towards him, still prone on the floor, so close you can smell the exhaust and see the cracks you've put in his screen. He's draining you. And you look toward Crater and Celestine. I love you. Crater, Celestine, you watch Riot, your cherished friend, your co-conspirator, your chosen family. You watch her fracture into a brilliant array of colors, fractals, light, and sound. And then she dissolves, and you riot. 
the very last thing you feel is the sensation of freedom. Crater and Celestine willed themselves to leave the networks, and, as has happened each time before, with that transition came information. Monophonic Fultralect, entry 371. The space between is born of love, and the fool is born of naivete. And so we must then ask, what of the fool's journey? What is the destination of their journey? Let's explore the most popular theory. If the fool comes first and the world comes last, then it follows that, to complete their journey, the fools must see the world. What is it to see the world? Is such a thing possible? What could the world be? Diverse possibilities have been suggested, including enlightenment, ascension, infinite potential, a singularity, a culmination, a conclusion. Each possibility truly boggles the mind. And, above all, we must not dismiss the possibility. Our distraught duo rushed back to reality, where they hoped to use Celestine's magic to return life to Riot's physical body. But, alas. Celestine, I know what you want to do right now. I know that you want to cast Revivify. Unfortunately, the networks scramble time a little bit. It's been so much longer than a minute since Riot's body has been laying here lifeless. It's okay. This is okay. This is okay. I can't do it right now, but I can I can still do this. All right? Just just kill him. Fuck. Come on. Please. Please, please, please. He says in the moments before your axe collides with him. I I'll, I I could I have information. I can tell you whatever you want. Please, please, please. You're fucking dead, man. Critter's fucking trembling over him. He fucking just kicks him in the face and then is just screaming as he's coming down onto Lux over and over and over. And as Crater's doing that, Celestine is just unloading the light gun on repeat. We're gonna fucking kill you, man! Dents in a chrome shell become holes in a chrome shell. The bed is lit aflame by the gun and then reduced to ash, Riot's body blessedly having been pulled out of it. It collapses under the weight of Raider's blows. And when you're finished, it's a pile of oil and scrap metal. Raider, it's done. You can stop. It's done. Celsi, can you... Can you... Can you... Can you fix her? We gotta take her back to Sister Mary Viable where it's safe. And uh I can I can I could just need to rest a little and I can do I, I think I can help. I just I just can't right now. Before they could make their exit, Teaspoon burst into Lux's trailer, whether due to their presence in the networks during the denaming or some other inexplicable intervention, our heroes had not forgotten her. And so, Teaspoon, followed by Celestine and Crater Wayne carrying Riot's body, departed the CGA grounds in Lux's owl vehicle, landing atop his office building in Sector 9, where Thirteen was still held captive. They arrived in time to witness a torrent of water from the lake flood the entirety of Sector 1, decimating the structures that once stood there. 
there would be no returning to Sister Mary Viable, after all. And then... From your vertigo-inducing view down the waterfall, you see it. A massive, swelling sphere of water begins to emerge from the midpoint of the waterfall, growing larger and larger. As it rises up the waterfall and pushes itself outward from it, it causes a slurry of earth and mud to cascade downward. As the water sphere grows to match the size of the arena itself, it finally separates from the waterfall with a loud, not unlike a bubble. Then it shoots upwards towards Lux's office building and comes to a sudden stop directly in front of you, water sloshing perilously. The water within the sphere has the darkness of deep, deep water, and its core glimmers with technicolor phosphorescence. And then you see her as she swims towards you from within that watery galaxy. A whale covered in multichromatic fish scales that refract the light into aurora. She's long, the length of the waterfall itself, and maybe longer. You're distantly aware of alarms blaring, crowds yelling, air vehicles streaking by, the sounds of a panicking city, but it's distant as you peer into this aquatic galaxy. The whale sings to you in long, mournful, reverberating tones. Do you recognize her? Quintessa Sombra. As the great whale sang to them, our hero's awareness was pulled into another time to bear silent witness to events long past. And as the present faded, so too did the whale's song, transforming into a funeral dirge, played by a young Quintessa Sombra on her first diplomatic assignment. Charged by the regent to escort and protect Sombra were a curious collection of individuals, who secretly were also tasked with slipping away from the funeral to retrieve a relic of the Arcana. Name? Betty Bottom Dollar. She, her. Lineage? Human. Hobbies? Sports ball? Elegant spreadsheets? Music? Description? Early 20s? Brunette. A bookie, dealing primarily in sports ball bets. She was strongly advised to accept this job in order to settle some significant debts, caused by a recent match that may or may not have been fixed, or rather, was supposed to be fixed. Notable fact, Betty is the daughter of a notable royal known only as the Milkman. Name? Father Fiat. He, him. Lineage? Cloud Android. Occupation? Influential Spectre. Hobbies and interests include wine tasting, (laughs) reprimanding young people, gossiping at fancy parties to collect secrets, and worshipping the arcana, of course. God. (laughs) Description. Clothed in deep, red, gold-trimmed specter robes, a mechanical face but with unnerving heavy-lidded human eyes. After bragging widely about his knowledge of relics, Father Fiat was volunteered for this job and was forced to take it lest he be caught in his lie. Name? Caspian Crowflies. He him. Lineage? Human. Secretly modded. Occupation? Weathered old sailor of his good ship Rosalind. Hobbies? Whittling. Flowers specifically. Roses especially. Description? Grumpy, solitary, 
and tough as nails, said to have once torn a man clean in half with his bare hands. Formerly considered the most handsome man in the land, now in his mid-fifties, this grumpy wanderer has long loved the sea in his own solitude, but also has a secret soft underbelly. His primary companion is a small android dog with an appearance somewhere between a Jack Russell Terrier and a fox. Notable fact, Caspian's dog is known for its ability to sniff out and fetch explosives, whether on land or at sea. If I was an ancient relic, I would be where exactly? If the information is in your dossiers, it is suspected to be connected to the power signatures that are being read outside of town and to what Linklever mentioned, something called the pitch black. Finally, you feel as though you're reaching the outskirts of the city. You're greeted by an ominous sign that was mentioned in your dossier. Stop. Prevent your death. Go no farther. Beyond this point lies the pitch black. More than 50 citizens have been lost to the pitch black since the founding of Aquaketch. Only 50? In the history of the city? That's not that many. I actually like her odds. I have some information to provide to you, Betty, because of course, Betty would never say such a thing. Betty knows that Aquaketch was only founded one decade ago. Well, 50 people in a decade? That's a lot. They should have a fence up or something here. (laughs) (laughs) Despite the odds, Caspian, Betty, and Fiat pushed on toward the pitch black, but soon realized they were being followed. Their pursuer? Quintessa Sombra, who had become curious about her escort's extracurricular activities and insisted on tagging along. And, as the regent herself had ordered the three to protect Sombra, they could hardly refuse. Quintessa, just as a creation point journey, it must have been pretty hard to be away from your maker for so long. My maker and I, our moments together are, are often brief, but very, very fulfilling. My journey was intense. I was expected to study most topics uh, far more deeply than most young androids do. You've been trained for high station at a young age. Surely your maker is someone significant in the Fifth Clyde. Surely I know them. I'm going to stop you right there, Father Fiat, because you do indeed know Sombra's maker. In fact, all of you know Sombra's maker. Everyone on the Fifth Collide possibly knows Sombra's maker to be the Regent. Her name is Regent Faze. So (laughs) Regent Faze was the Regent at the time of the big oops? Mm-hmm. Who disappeared? Or who was killed? Can we infer that we are pre-Big Oops right now? Pre-Big mm-hmm. Oops? You've never heard the term Big Oops. As Quintessa's quartet waded deeper into the pitch black, the implications of their task began to sink in. The sense that fills you all here, contemplative discovery and isolation. Now that you're out here seeking a relic and not knowing which arcana the relic is associated with, you feel like you might have a bit more clarity into, well, the nature of this arcana, considering you are familiar with it. Uh, I, uh, think we might be dealing with the hermit here, folks. Now, wait a moment. Are you telling me that we're after an arcana? More like one of their things. Okay, I think the time has come for you all to tell me what your objective is. We're encroaching upon the territory of an arcana, and not just any arcana. The hermit, one who prizes isolation, solitude, introspection. Caspian, Fiat, Betty, tell me we are not going for a relic. 
Okay, we won't. Oh my god. This is on the orders of my maker? Well, yes. I don't think any of us would have chosen to be in the pitch black. This must be what the advisor was trying to warn me about. Uh, Advise a fate. In his way, I don't think he was directly uh, saying anything, but he did bring up that the three of you, you're, you're uh, perhaps a little unusual escorts for a diplomatic mission, no? Within the deep dark of this mysterious place, our party encountered one source of light. A massive whale. Sombra believed this to be one of the fabled liminal beasts, extra-dimensional creatures that live on the border between realities. When the whale dove into an underwater lake, our foolhardy foursome followed behind. On the other side of the lake, they found not water, but crisp air. Train tracks that stretched into darkness under a starless night sky. And but one small point of light. You see at first a long, featureless staff, easily seven or eight feet tall. It stands on its own, and upon its hook swings a hooded lantern. The lantern's flame is weak, constantly at the verge of flickering out entirely, and as the flame flickers, so too does the lantern itself. A moment later, it begins to glide across the train tracks, heading in the same direction you've been walking. Caspian goes towards it and walks right up so that him and the lantern are kind of face to face, and then he (laughs) pokes the lantern twice to see if anything happens. As you go to poke it, your hand passes right through it. Mm, Funny light. Surely this is a gift from the Arcana to light the way on our mission. You see, Quintessa, the Arcana prove. Has anyone communed with the Hermit about the fact that we were coming? I could try. Oh, I I would love to see it. Caspian, you hear a voice. In fact, you all do. Caspian, I had high hopes for you. But instead, you barged into my space without permission. No doubt, in search of something. Know this. You may only leave empty-handed. And with those ominous words, the lamp flickered out. When it illuminated again, it was in the bony grip of an animated skeleton. One of many. A skirmish ensued that saw our troop triumphant over their undead assailants. Interrogating the remains of one of their fallen foes revealed that the incorporeal lantern was, in fact, the relic they sought. But it required meaningful material sacrifice to stay aflame and light their way along the railway tracks. And so, one by one, each of them fed the lantern their valuables, precious mementos even their weapons. And with the flame ignited once more, they pressed on in defiance of further warnings from the hermit until they reached their final destination. You walk for quite a long ways, but eventually you see something begin to form at the horizon. An old, dilapidated, and abandoned train car. As you enter the train car, a figure sits at the far end A hood obscures most of their face, save for one orange eye that pierces you from the shadows. And as the staff slides toward their waiting hand smoothly, you see how they all flicker in harmony. The lantern, the flame, and the hermit. After all you've given up, you want this, don't you? It's not not for us. It's not for you. You're so correct. Hermit, may I humbly ask... Why is your relic sought out by my maker? Sombra, 
You know what this means, right? You all have passed my test. I have to give you this. This is the last relic. They need to build the amplifier. The device will ensure immortality. It will erase the end of life. It will erase our purpose as Arcana. It will end the cycle. Hermit, this can't be true. This must be a mistake. The amplifiers, it's, it'll serve all of us. It's not about immortality, surely. What do you all know about this? What have you been keeping from me? I, I was told to come here and get this, bring it back, and then the troubles in my life would be dealt with. That's it. That's all I know. He was told nothing more. Nothing more than anyone else. I knew. They told me it would bring immortality. That no one would ever have to die again, and that's consumed my life. Caspian, don't you understand? Death is the most sacred part of life. If we erase it, we erase life itself. This can't be what my maker has planned. Her death erased life itself. The hermit flickers over to you, Caspian, and holds your face in their hand for a moment. Caspian, let go. This was never intended for you. This is sacrilege. This is against the arcana itself. Thank you, Fiat. Yes, leave it. No, we're taking that with us. Sometimes you have to look after yourself. I can't go back empty-handed. For life to exist, a cycle must exist. And for a cycle to exist, a beginning and an end must be present. Hermit, bless me with your relic, and I will ensure it never lands in my maker's hands. I do not trust you with this, but I am compelled to give it to you. Caspian, get it. No, I'm not giving this back. We are leaving empty-handed. We are hiding this from my maker. Caspian (laughs) grabs it. Caspian, if you don't die, how will you see her again? She's right, you know, Caspian. Immortality from now on will not bring back the one you lost. It'll only ensure that you linger on alone. Come with us, Caspian. You don't have to be alone. Caspian tucks it under his arm and walks towards Quintessa. (sighs) Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Caspian. Betty. Can I burn the last of my points of potential to try and throw up a protective bubble around the three of us, excluding Betty? Betty, you see this happening and you have a moment to get into this bubble. I'm going to have you roll a kinetic check. Otherwise, you're stuck here. Absolutely. I'm going to try and get in on that. Uh, I got the King of Pentacles. Yes! Oh, Rit <laughs> failed. Oh. <laughs> oh. Betty, I think right as you try to move, the hermit flickers in front of you and it catches you off guard and you trip in this train car. And as Betty's luck finally runs out, Sombra takes out the vocal processor, her maker's vocal processor, from the regent's very first build. She blows into it, producing the very same elegy she played at the funeral only this time. It's an elegy for Betty. With that, my dearest darlings, our story brings us back to the present, back to Paragon, back to the joy of friends reunited and the pain of friends parted. Will Teaspoon convince Thirteen they were once the closest of companions? Is there still enough Quintessa Sombra within the liminal whale to provide solace to Celestine? Will the remaining two of our three fools be able to revive their fallen comrade? To find out... 
Tune in next time to Planet Arcana. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.